If you love scratches from the Virginia Lottery, you'll love the high roller blackjack scratcher with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Look for it at your favorite Virginia Lottery retailer. In fact, you can drive there right now. Now that's an everyday win. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. You know it's presented by BetOnline.ag. They're the exclusive sponsor of the Podcast One Sportsnet. They're your online sportsbook experts. You know that. Use the promo code PODCAST1. You receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. That's BetOnline.ag, exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet, which includes this Business of Sports podcast, which will be a Brant's Rants edition. My first rant is sort of giving you an inside look on what happens this week at the NFL owners meetings. It's every year at this time in some sun-soaked resort, this time at the beautiful Arizona Biltmore Hotel. I think that was my favorite location. Just the Frank Lloyd Wright architecture, the beautiful setting I like out there in the mountains. The Florida locations aren't bad either. And speaking of which... (laughs) As I talk to you, I'm sitting looking over the Disney properties. We're not actually at Disney. My son is the uh, videographer for his school teams who are down here doing their spring break break practices. So he's down here. I'm kind of his chauffeur waiting for him. And uh, we'll check out a couple colleges while he's out for the week, too, as he starts that process He's a junior in high school, so I know that starts. Some kids probably have seen 20 schools by now. Some kids don't see schools at all until maybe in the fall. We're going to sort of start them out, see how it goes uh, with some college visits. So interesting time for all. And, yes, I got out of the East Coast weather, which has been brutal with cold and rain. Finally, finally getting to some warmth. And that's where the owners are this week. They're getting that Arizona warmth. In the Biltmore, I've been to many, uh, actually the first NFL owners meeting I went to was in 1999. I'd just gotten hired, and that's where it was, the Arizona Biltmore Hotel. Give you a sense of what goes on in these meetings. Usually it's arrival on Sunday, and by Sunday night there's some kind of special speaker that the league has, and, you know, the speaker will be usually from business. I know one year when we were there, Eric Schmidt from Google came and spoke to us. They, uh, I saw they had Lindsey Vaughn this year. They've had David Brooks from the New York Times. Just a nice event for people to come to. And then it kicks off Monday morning, usually with a slickly sizzle reel, produced sizzle reel that uh, will talk about the season. It'll have all the best NFL films can offer in terms of the noise, the sounds, the hits, the music. The beautiful catches in slow-mo, all that will be get the crowd sort of amped up as the meetings start. Roger Goodell will give his opening address. And a lot of those business presentations, of course, will be very, very upbeat. These are the metrics. These are what's going north. These are the franchise values. These are the ratings. These are the metrics that look so good from the 2000, in this case, 2019-18 season. And everything's looking good as we go forward. And he'll talk about the platitudes, about challenges, and not being complacent and all that. Then people will disperse. And over the next three days, of which we're in the middle right now as I record this on a Tuesday evening, they're really looking at 
working group exec, working club executives. I was usually in those meetings, the WCE meetings, and they would be kind of practice grounds, say for the competition committee and Rich McKay to kind of make their presentation before they head to the more important people, such as the coaches and more importantly, the owners. That goes around during these couple days. And, you know, then there'll be meetings of two per club. I worked for the only team, of course, that didn't have an owner. Sometimes I was in the two per club meetings. Sometimes I wouldn't make that cut. The three per club I would usually make. And I did always feel kind of like a kid wearing dad's shoes, you know, sitting in these meetings like, am I really supposed to be here? But then I really sort of figured out, yeah, uh, of course I'm supposed to be here. These people are not any really different. The the fact that we refer to them by Mr., the fact they're worth billions of dollars, some of them. No, again, I'm not trying to be derogatory, but I didn't really see a lot of nuggets of wisdom coming out of a lot of these owners other than that, you know, they've got, they've got wealth and they've got an interest in football. You know, sometimes I would see people stand up and I would say, hmm, that's, that's a reasoned, intellectually honest and curious take. And I can say that I saw that from Jeff Lurie. I'm biased, obviously, because I know him being in Philadelphia. But Jeff Lurie, yes, I saw some of that from him. Jerry Jones was always impressive. He always had a lot of bravado and gusto, but he made a point, and he always made good points. And he was insistent on, you know, sort of the small market owners, especially in those days, Wayne Weaver, Jacksonville, Mike Brown, Cincinnati, Jim Irsay, Indianapolis, Kind of not, not just sitting back and taking their 132nd check every year uh, uh, from these share of revenues and really marketing their product, being more aggressive. And he would get in people's faces. You know, Jerry Jones wasn't afraid to do that. Um, you know, back in the day, Al Davis, before his uh, passing, would sit in the back. He'd have a little certain spot, Amy Trask with him and his uh, his people from Oakland kind of surrounding him. There was always just one part of the room, the back left, where he sat, where he, us in Green Bay, we're on the front right. We're doing whatever we were told. He was a little, little more renegade-ish back there. And it's sort of collegial. And, uh, you know, it's sort of uh, those owners' meetings and the ones going on right now, it's always the feeling that at least they try to present. It's one for all, all for one. Everyone's in this together, a weak link. And that's reflected certainly in the revenue sharing. I teach sports business and sports law, and there's no league that's even close to revenue sharing like the NFL. And the major thing is, of course, the national broadcast where Green Bay and Kansas City and Buffalo get the same share as New York, Dallas, L.A., etc. So that's a major thing. And of course, franchises like Green Bay couldn't exist without that if they had to go local. Look at baseball where you have some of these localized deals, RSNs, local regional sports network deals going against the the Yes Network and Comcast Sports Network like in Philly. It's really not fair. And football has the three-legged stool, which is revenue sharing, the salary cap, and some uh, control over spending, artificial limits placed by the cap. So you have that, and that's what's going on at the meeting. So again... You're seeing in the news a lot of these replay rules or proposals about overtime. You know, forgive me, I don't pay a lot of attention to what these rules are going on because I don't think you need to unless they pass. And we'll know soon whether they pass or not. But usually what happens, I've said this, especially about the Saints, the outrage from the playoff game, it fades. 
and then you talk about unintended consequences and now you're not dealing with the issue anymore. It's really interesting how these things become so hyped and so much the focus when they happen, but soon enough, you know, every, like the, we're in this Twitter society, 24-hour news cycle, it changes. Something will happen. Something will turn on and we'll go to the next thing and the next thing is not this. So that's what happens. Um, that's my, you know, that's kind of a look inside what's going on at these owners' meetings. Sometimes you'll see these proposals tabled until May. That's the next meeting of the owners. That's just a one-day more business-like meeting rather than in a uh, resort location. That's like in a conference room somewhere in like an Atlanta or Chicago. So that will be a different kind of meeting. And usually what happens with the tabled proposals is we're just, you know, they're really saying we hope you just forget about this because we'll probably table it to May. And once we get to May, we got other things going on. So, yeah, forgot about that. We'll figure out that next year. And that's usually what happens. You know, the, the, the competition committee is going to be recommending certain proposals. So the coaches have one uh, idea for things often, and the owners have another. Clearest example of this is CBA. The owners negotiated with the players, and one thing important to the players was reduced time in the offseason, drastic cuts in how much time they're around. Now that pisses off the coaches. The coaches want to get with these guys in the offseason, get to coaching them. But the coaches weren't part of that negotiation. The coaches aren't a party to the CBA. It's between owners and players, and they're the ones cut out of the middlemen, so they don't really get a say, and this is what happened. They didn't really get a good deal for their understanding of it and trying to coach these players. So they only get them a few days of actual coaching between January and end of July. Anyway, that's the owners' meetings. My other rant comes out of this a little bit with the big news coming out Sunday that Rob Gronkowski is retiring. Uh, my initial reaction was, okay, sounds about right. You know, been through a lot of hardship with his body, injury-wise. We were talking about him retiring last year, maybe two years ago, maybe three years ago. And I just think that, okay, it's it's time. He's made a lot of money. We, You know, he's got the reputation of saving a lot of money, only living off his endorsements, not touching his Patriots money. Made good money with the Patriots, probably could have made more if he waited to get to the deals closer to free agency. He did early deals, never became a free agent, of course. His big deal came after two years with the Patriots. The the second time they did that with Aaron Hernandez, both situations given big money to tight ends after two years. They don't pay receivers and they don't pay running backs, but they pay tight ends. It's interesting with the Patriots. Listen, here's what I want to say about Gronk. I, I just think it's weird, this public perception of Gronk. Uh, and I know I'm going to piss off some people here, but I, 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 just, I think there's a race element here. You know, I, I just think that this kind of Gronk being Gronk, knucklehead, drinking, partying, chasing women, being out with women, I just think there'd be a different perception if he was a black guy. I, I just, and maybe if he was a white guy, that was different. I don't know. I just think this this attitude we have about Gronk, where we just, there's a likability factor and we sort of let it go. Now, listen, I know he's not Aaron Hernandez. I know he's not getting into big trouble out there. I got it. But pick another player 
and put him in the party scene wherever and put him dancing after Super Bowls with his shirt off, including games they lost, and put him in with women and and whatever kind of partying he's doing in the offseason with Johnny Menzel or whatever it was a couple years ago or every year. And think about it. What would be the reaction if it was just another guy? <laughs> and would we have this kind of, oh, it's just goofy, fun-loving Gronk or pick another name in there? You know, it's this kind of allowance in baseball. We had Manny being Manny. You know, he's a knucklehead. He's fine. He can do it. I, I just... I don't know what I'm saying other than I just think Gronk got away with a lot and other players would not. That's what I'm saying. Because he's likable, because he's goofy. It's like the steroid thing. You know, we don't allow for leeway on steroids with people like Barry Bonds. Uh, We do allow it for someone like, say, David Ortiz. Um... you know, and sort of the guy who fits both of those is kind of Alex Rodriguez. We we kind of excoriated him, but then we kind of loosened it up towards the end. And now he's likable. So these are all these kind of things that go on where it's not really about the acts. It's about the likability of the person. It's just that can becomes crystallized when you talk about Gronk. Listen, on the field, I'll let these Hall of Fame debaters deal with that, you know, and it's like, Jesus, the guy can't even retire, and we're always talking about Hall of Fame in five years, can't even retire, we're even talking about, is he going to come back this season, people say come back, you know, he's never going to stay retired, okay, whatever, I'm just thinking about reaction to the guy as someone who's kind of in the media, but can look at this, I think a little more dispassionately as, what's this about? You know, some people just sort of can do things that others can't. And I know when you bring up the word race, it's polarizing, it gets debate, it gets people sort of turn one way or the other. Um, and maybe it's not just that he's a white guy. Maybe other white guys would not be treated with the same kind of laughability, jocularity that we look at with Gronk. But it just dawns on me when I hear this kind of reverence about Gronk off the field. Reverence is the wrong word. Kind of amusement. Bemusement. That I don't know if that's really going to happen with other people. Um, You know, look at Manziel. Manziel's a train wreck off the field. And he's a joke. Is Gronk doing much different off the field than Manziel is? Now, Menzel's a train wreck on the field, and maybe that clouds everything. But should it? Should it? I mean, should we say Menzel's a train wreck and Gronk's not just because Menzel doesn't play well? Gronk's missed a ton of games. Now, some of it's injury, but injury? Do you think some of that's related to how he takes care of himself off the field? I mean, you can sort of argue this whatever way you want. But Gronk gets the benefit of the doubt in a big way and not just in New England. You know, a lot of the stuff about New England Patriots or Boston Celtics or Boston Red Sox is Boston fans seeing it one way and the rest of the world seeing it another way. I get that. Not really Gronk. You know, Gronk is kind of beloved nationally. 
But again, I'm beating a dead horse. I'll just leave it at this. Would he be, were he someone else, were he another race, were he another person, that just, I don't know, that would be treated that way publicly, nationally, perception-wise. It just is an interesting case. It is kind of this Manny being, being Manny that we did with Ramirez in baseball years ago, but it's even, it's that much more than that. It's like he can party, he can be goofy, he can do all that, and I'm not sure another player can for whatever reason. Maybe a player that doesn't look as goofy as him. Maybe a player that's just not as likable. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's my rant about Gronk. Now our sponsor, Bet Online. This is quite a time. March Madness is right in it, right? With the Sweet 16, you've got the Sportsnet Challenge going on. Get in on it. Go to Podcast One for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't worry. Even if your bracket is busted, you can still get in on all the games. The fun continues. Chance to win money in your BetOnline.ag account. It's a Sportsnet Bracket Challenge presented by BetOnline.ag. March Madness, now the Sweet 16. The excitement is heating up. Don't forget again, promo code PODCAST1 at BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. That's been a Gronk and NFL Meetings Rants Business of Sports podcast. That'll do it for this week's edition. Hope you enjoyed it. It's a short, sweet Brants Rants edition. I got in some stuff, though, didn't I? Got on Soapbox. Really appreciate those of you that follow me on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt. Check it out all over with Apple Podcasts. The rankings and comments are always appreciated. Appreciate my producer extraordinaire, Brian Neal, for putting this together every week. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found. If you love scratches from the Virginia Lottery, you'll love the high roller blackjack scratcher with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Look for it at your favorite Virginia Lottery retailer. In fact, you can drive there right now. Now that's an everyday win. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16.